Welcome to the Soul Talks podcast, where we equip pastors, leaders, and other men and women in ministry to thrive with Jesus in their life and leadership. Now let's join Bill and Christy Galtier, doctors in psychology, spiritual directors, and founders of Soul Shepherding. So Christy, your glasses are crooked and it's bothering my perfectionism. It's making me like really anxious. And we're about to talk about the non-anxious presence for others. <laughs> it's so funny because I've been wearing these glasses even though one of the sides broke off so it only has one earpiece because I thought they were more flattering on me than my ones that aren't broken. <laughs> I had no idea it was bothering you. You can toss them in the garbage. I'm so glad you told me. I will pick up my old pair been... that's five years old and out of style but it does not creak it on my face. <laughs> I've been constantly refocusing it. Let it go, Bill. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> it's just hard to keep a straight face while we're talking here, and your glasses are like an inch off. So. Yes, I am a perfectionist. Oh, well, thanks for telling me. <laughs> and I'm vain. I, I was trying to wear the glasses I thought were more flattering, even though they're crooked. Oh, fun. So uh, what are we talking about on Soul Talks today? Well, we're in our re-soul series here because we're talking about burnout and the hidden causes of burnout. And this episode is the hidden cause of internalizing stress and how that leads us to burnout. And you know a little bit about this. I you... know a little bit about internalizing <laughs> stress and anxiety. Yep. Yeah, you were kind of formed in this uh-huh. growing up. You learn to internalize stress pretty easily on, early on, I mean. Mm-hmm. So Larry Winger, who is on staff at Eastside Christian Church in Anaheim, wrote at the beginning of your Easy Yoke book as a testimony, eventually our well runs dry. Perhaps we dig into the arid ground of perfectionism, anxiety, overwork, or self-promotion. The Easy Yoke book is a map to show us where to dig deeply into the wellspring of God's sustaining grace. He says, I'm so grateful for Bill Galtier, who lived Easy Yoke before he wrote it. He's helped countless harried leaders like me drink from the life-giving waters of Jesus. It's a book for people in danger of burnout because it, it comes out of my story as a, as a burned-out pastor and counselor uh, who had uh, been internalizing stress for a lot of years. And why did you do that? Why did you internalize stress? Oh, to protect my mom, who I'm the oldest of five kids growing up, and uh, she had a lot on her plate, and I just was very sensitive to her feelings and uh, didn't want to make life harder on her, so I just tried to be good and helpful and responsible uh, in everything I did. And did it serve you? Did it work for a while? Like, did it work for you? Well, I was a hero child in terms of my family role, and I had success in school and athletics and and was a good good Christian, and so I got a lot of praise for that. And as a young person, I, I liked that and I wanted that. Did it make you feel strong? Uh, yeah, yeah, it made me feel strong, but it also made me anxious, and, and I, it took a while for me to put two and two together there. But uh, yeah, it was... Just uh, a lot of pressure and expectation and uh, uh, doing too much and uh, um, listening to and absorbing other people's feelings but not sharing my own. So you, may, you might wonder, like, you know, why would somebody become a psychologist anyway? Well, this is an example. <laughs> <laughs> when did you wake up to the fact that you were doing that? 
them aware. Yeah, you know, it really wasn't until college and I was studying to be a psychologist uh, because I wanted to help other people, particularly in a Christian context, and, and I really felt called to it as a ministry and uh, because the Bride of Christ is suffering and just had a real heart of compassion for people to learn how to live the gospel of Jesus uh, like they did in the book of Acts, that it's a, a real thriving thing of, of intimacy with God and uh, joy and peace and, and power, works of compassion and uh, sharing the gospel and uh, bringing uh, ministry and healing to people. So I, I wanted that to see that life realized um, and felt like understanding people and personalities and relationships and, and the psychology of faith and spirituality, that, that that was my way to do that. So did you ever feel like God had called you to internalize stress no. for people? No, I was obviously, I mean... Well, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't have said that, but maybe I did think I was doing a, a good thing. You know, I, I thought I was serving, serving the Lord, in, and I was, but I didn't, I didn't understand how to do that in a healthy way. And so in my psychology classes in Christian college, I started to learn. And fortunately, I uh, wisened up, and the Lord humbled me, particularly through one of my professors that I really liked. And she really took me under her wing, and I, I began applying what I was learning to myself. Because originally, when I went in to study psychology, I had a lot of arrogance in me and thought, well, I don't really need this, but I needed to help other people. And I know other people are in these classes because they're trying to figure themselves out and they're broken. And because, you know, I knew, you know, people go into psychology to do that, but not me. That's how I thought about it. <laughs> I'm sad to say. Uh, but then I realized, no, it is me. You know, I, I, I need a lot of help here. And so I started meeting with this uh, counselor uh, who was my teacher, and uh, she gave me counseling. And the internalized stress, it leads to you feeling a lot of pressure. Yeah, yeah, and anxiety. I think that's a key thing as it relates to burnout here. And see, that's what was eroding my um, uh, soul energy and capacity in my, my burnout years ago was that I was internalizing all this stress. And it, when you do that, you're, you're converting stress into anxiety. And so stress is, you know, changes in life and responsibilities and uh, crises that happen. And it's uh, uh, exciting things that happen in your life, many positive things, any, anything that's going on in your life that is some sort of a, a change or, or challenge or an opportunity. It's, it's a kind of a stress. Stress isn't negative. It's part of life. If you don't have any stress, you're dead. So the problem comes when it's, it's not just too much stress. I mean, that can be a problem, but it's really a lot more about internalizing it. Well, some people might be listening and thinking, well, it's better than externalizing it. Like if I externalize it, I'm going to hurt people. Yeah, well, that's true. If you react to stress in ways that you lose your temper, you're insulting of people, that, that is damaging. And some of us who have been damaged by somebody's anger, we may, we make a vow, like, I'm never going to do that to other people. And so we will internalize our anger uh, as a way to not put it on anybody else. And so we do violence to our own self to protect others. So what are some safe ways that you can not internalize stress? Well, you've got to start feeling your emotions. And so for me, that was uh, 
quite a journey, you know, the distance from your head to your heart. It's, it's just a couple feet, but it can be uh, miles and miles uh, in the realm of the soul. And so, uh, you know, I wasn't, as I'm sharing with my story, I was not aware of my feelings growing up. I was aware of my mom's feelings and other people's feelings, but not my own. And, uh, I mean, I would be at times when I lost my temper or at times when I was totally overwhelmed with anxiety, but I didn't really have words to describe what was going on. That, that came in the course of, uh, studying psychology, reading the Bible differently, being in counseling, uh, developing friendships that were emotionally honest and, uh, that sort of thing. I began to learn the language of emotions and, and because I was applying what I was learning in in my Christian psychology studies to, my, to myself, that really helped me. And so I, I realized, okay, I, I need to build into my life that I, I'm talking openly and honestly with somebody regularly. And so I just started doing that, first with counselors and with friends and then with spiritual directors, but just having people in my life that I regularly meet with and I'm vulnerable with. And, and they're going to ask me, well, how are you feeling? And they're going to keep a confidence and. And I just knew I needed that in my life. And so it, it took some, you know, years of discipline to sort of develop that habit. Now it's like so natural to me that I don't even think about it. Does it doesn't even need it as a spiritual discipline on my list anymore because I just do it because it helps me breathe in my soul. Yes, and that's so important. I'm so grateful that you do that. I want to back up a minute to kind of ways that we can wake up to that we internalize stress because I think one of those ways that I hear talking to a lot of people who come to me is in our body they wake up to symptoms in their body mm -hmm. that, that that scare them that they don't understand they get referred because of a doctor you know they've gone to a doctor because of some physical symptoms and the doctor said you need to deal with your stress so did you have that symptoms of internalized stress in your body hmm well, one of the things that's really helped me is is I, I like to exercise, and that's a way that I've dealt with stress and pressure and frustration and anxiety is regular exercise, and especially over the years learning how to do that with Jesus and while I'm meditating on Scripture and being grateful to God and appreciating the beauty of God's creation has really helped me. So, I mean, I certainly had some physical symptoms in, in my life that are stress-related that have gotten my attention, but... I don't recall that being a significant factor in the inception of this journey for me of more vulnerability. And uh, so, you know, I really hope that you, if you're listening right now and you're, you're a lead pastor or you're a, a leader in an organization, uh, you've got a lot of people that look to you, you're um, ambitious, you're a type A like me. I just hope that you're really um, open to the Lord speaking to you about how are you dealing with your vulnerabilities? Because uh, it's so easy if you're like me to just fool yourself and project your needs and your emotions into other people who you now teach, lead, help. And you might be very effective at doing that, at least in some ways. Uh, and so we can fool ourselves, and that's why burnout is so pernicious. We all think, oh, I'm not, I'm not in danger of that. I'm not burned out until we just really are. And then we, we might admit it, and, and it might be easier to say I'm burned out than to say, oh, I was depressed or had a moral failing or whatever. But we, we really um, 
especially those of us who are charger types and we're confident. We, we just don't think that's going to happen to me. Yeah, well, even some of us that aren't charger types like me, I'm thinking back to 33 years ago, and I'm thinking about, I was a new therapist in grad school, and one of my first clients was a teenager who came to me because she was vomiting every morning before school because of anxiety. And I remember feeling kind of, you know, arrogant about, wow, you know, that's a lot of anxiety. How could anybody be that anxious and all this kind of thing? And then I realized that we needed to quit our job. We were college pastors and I couldn't handle working as a college pastor and going to grad school full time and being a year into our marriage and also working another job to put ourselves through grad school. But my pride didn't want to admit that I was internalizing stress about it Mm -hmm. until I started having dreams that were traumatic. And then I woke up one morning and lo and behold, I vomited and discovered that it was anxiety. And I'd Mm. never had an experience of anxiety in my body like that before. It was really humbling for me. And it made me realize I can't keep youth pastoring. It was like the final signal God had to give me that he was asking us to let that go, to resign from that. And that was a big blow to my pride. Yeah, it sounds like you felt like you were failing God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you and, you know, the people in our youth group and Mm -hmm. the people, our bosses who had hired us and believed in us and people that invested us, you know, as young pastors. Yeah, they hired us to do this for years and years, not one year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we only lasted a year then. Yeah, and so that you're saying that was an experience of, of burnout that really yes. woke you up mm-hmm. to the realities of internalizing stress. I was internalizing stress, yeah. And then ways I found it later is like jaw pain, mm-hmm. clenching my jaw, tightness in my jaw and neck. I'd realize, oh, what? okay, what stress am I? That can be a wake-up for me. Yeah, you're going through some of the anxiety symptoms, and we have a whole chapter on this in the Easy Oak book, and... Uh, one of those symptoms is that anxiety is always in your body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I have uh, at different times had uh, back issues, uh, neck issues, uh, tightness in my jaw, and uh, most especially gut issues with um, ranging from butterflies, which is a, a normal sort of uh, sort of upset stomach you have when you're anxious, to uh, digestive disturbances and uh, a lot of this has to do with internalizing stress. And uh, so paying attention to our bodies, you're saying, that's something that you've been learning. It's been a really big deal for you. Yeah. Yeah, well, I recall a time early in my career as a psychologist and uh, as a public speaker and author, and this was before uh, coming to the point of the story that uh, I tell in Easy Yoke book about uh, laying down on the altar my my dream to be a best-selling Christian author and at this point I'd written three three books with a, a publisher and uh, 40,000 books in print and had some success for a, a young psychologist in his early 30s and uh, but I was internalizing a lot of stress and so I was the Lord really got my attention this one time I was speaking to 2,000 people at a recovery conference and uh, the keynote speaker, and so you know, I was I was the uh, important speaker there, and I just felt tremendous pressure, and I was really uh, ahead of myself. I was over my skis, and I just had a lot of anxiety, and uh, then it affected my speaking, and so I didn't really give give my best, and so it was kind of snowballing on me, 
and uh, some, some of you listening know, know about that. A lot of people have a fear of public speaking and anxiety around that. And so uh, that's especially hard if you're, if you're in the church world or the ministry world and you need to do some speaking. And, and that, that's where I was. And uh, so I'm panicking and my throat's closing up. My heart's pounding out on my chest. I'm sweaty and I've got 2,000 people listening to me and, and I'm getting increasingly self-conscious because uh, uh, I'm, I'm not doing a great job and I know it and I'm criticizing myself and, and, and uh, it's a hard thing. It is. I, I remember that. That was about 28 years ago and I was home with our young baby. I wasn't even with you. And I remember you coming home and I remember just my, my wanting to fix you. You don't have to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, should, you shouldn't make yourself do this anymore because I was so concerned about the stress. Well, I was, and I was seriously considering quitting because I don't have a natural gift of speaking. I'm, I'm a writer. I'm a thinker. I'm, I'm a teacher. And so uh, I was like, I'm, I'm not going to speak anymore. This is like not worth it. God cares about me. He doesn't want me going through all this. And well, you know, and, and yeah, you were very compassionate for me and not putting pressure or expectation on me. And, and, that was really helpful. And I, I was really learning to experience God's grace in those years and that I didn't have to be the hero and I didn't have to take on all this stuff. And so I was talking to my psychologist at the time because I was in regular therapy for years in this period of time and, and about this experience. And I was telling him, I, th- I think I want to quit. I just don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to speak. And it's too hard. It's too stressful. I get so anxious. And, and you know, I was telling him about the anticipatory anxiety. That's the worst part. If you struggle with anxiety, it's when you're imagining a, a situation, a, a conflict, a, a conversation you don't want to have, a, a pressure, some responsibility that you have, or public speaking like we're talking about, and you, you're, you're, you've got some fear about it. And so you just imagine the scenario, and it just gets worse and worse. And, and you had that because you had a long drive up to this conference. You were alone in that drive. I wasn't with you. I mean, now we would go together. You would talk to me about how you're feeling, we, you know. But back then, no, we didn't know any of that. And, and you were going alone and, and you hid and internalized all your anticipatory anxiety because you were trying to just care for me who was this new mom and, mm-hmm. you know, trying to adjust to being a mom and care for our, our child alone all day. And you being God, which you probably felt guilty about. And I probably put guilt on you about. So, yeah, you you had a lot of stress that you were probably internalizing. You were a new dad trying to juggle several careers, new psychologist, writer. I basically had a Ph.D. in anxiety, but I was just learning to apply it to myself, mm-hmm. you know, go, go deeper with that and uh, get words from my feelings. And so, you know, ironically, and it's that's almost 30 years ago, it was a long time ago, I would say that today I am more prone to um, fear and anger and uh, guilt. Mm -hmm. That I feel those emotions way more than I felt 25 years ago when I was in all this anxiety and having panic and Mm -hmm. internalizing stress. And the other thing that I feel more is sadness. And so what I've come to understand... So why is that any better, though? Like, if I'm our listeners, I'm like, well, why would I want to feel all that? Why why is that better than internalizing stress and feeling anxiety? Yeah. Well, uh, it's a lot better, actually. (laughs) But you do have to rethink some things here. We've, We've 
probably heard sermons or read books telling us that you shouldn't feel afraid or you, you shouldn't feel angry or uh, uh, you shouldn't feel guilty, these kinds of things. And uh, so much of that is just not helpful psychology because it is natural uh, in situations to fear rejection or failure or uh, some threat. Uh, it is natural to feel angry when, uh, or at least frustrated, when your, your will is crossed or you're mistreated or uh, you don't reach a goal. Uh, it's natural to feel guilty, or I prefer the word conviction, when you've, you've done something wrong or you've made a mistake or you've disappointed somebody. Uh, and it's especially natural and healthy to feel sad when you lose something. Someone dies, you miss out on an opportunity, everything in between. And so what happens with anxiety is these other primary feelings that I'm touching on are, are being denied. In the midst of the stress of life, when we are denying sadness and these other feelings, it becomes anxiety. And the problem with anxiety is it's a secondary emotion because of all this other primary core acute repressed emotion that's being denied. And so then we're just anxious all the time and it's, and it's siphoning off all this energy. And a lot of us are anxious and we don't even hardly know it because we never know what it's like to really be at peace. I've had so many people tell me that. Some people, though, think that they need their anxiety in order to have energy and motivation. Yeah, you can use anxiety just kind of, because uh, with that can come adrenaline and uh, other uh, hormones that are activating us, but it's uh, stress hormones. But that's not good. That's not good for our body. I mean, in an emergency, God has made us so that, thank God for adrenaline, but that's meant to be a short-lived situation for a particular uh, crisis or challenge. And, uh, you know, adrenaline feels good. Uh, uh, we have a whole other conversation about me as an adrenaline addict because that's, that's my history. I mean, you, you get confidence and you get uh, energy, boldness, even elation from adrenaline. But when we're constantly tapping into those adrenaline stores, we destroy our adrenal glands and, and our bodies and our souls because we're not meant to live in that. We're meant to live in rhythms that include quiet and rest, and to be able to find peace in gentle ways. But, but to come into true peace, you have to learn how to experience catharsis. Mm -hmm. You have to learn the experience of being vulnerable about your emotions and your struggles and your shortcomings with someone who is a good, gentle, compassionate listener who puts energy into listening to you and prayerfully listening to you so that you can articulate the things that you're feeling and experience being understood and accepted. And then you start to experience this cathartic relief. Your whole soul just goes, ah, I'm not alone. I don't, I don't have to carry the weight of the world on my shoulders. I don't have to do this perfectly. I don't have to pl please this person. I don't have to hit a home run with every sermon I preach. I don't have to be the world's best church leader or whatever your situation is. You just relax into that easy yoke of Jesus. The Lord is present with me. He loves me. He's ministering the presence of Abba to me. Yeah, when we're disconnected and internalizing our emotions, we're missing that they actually can be good servants. They can actually help us connect with God. They can help us become aware of ways that we're disconnecting from God or disconnected from him. They can be graces. And so as we experience that, that empathy, that cathartic 
uh, expression and release, that increasing self-awareness that comes through an authentic relationship and an authentic, honest prayer. It's in that context that we have this sense of centeredness and groundedness and presence and mindfulness and alertness and, and soulfulness about our being that enables us to be a non-anxious presence for others. And everybody longs for that. And so in your ministry as a pastor, as a small group leader, as a parent, as a worker at your place of work, uh, wherever you are, you, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. And an important dimension of that shining light and warmth of God's presence is being in the easy yoke of Jesus or being a non-anxious presence with the Prince of Peace. And when we are like that, we're in a place that we can give empathy to others because we're, we're emotionally present to them. We've got capacity to, to tune in, to listen, to be supportive, to offer an affirming word, to, and even to, to as, as we said, uh, you know, bless the one that curses you, as we talked about last podcast. And, uh, and do that without going into fear or shame. But because we're yoked to Jesus, the Lord, and the Prince of Peace, and because he's taking care of me, and because I have a circle of confidence in, in people that are, are part of my life with Jesus, and the Lord is, is using that to strengthen my soul, and so then now I can be concerned for other people's soul. And, and if you are a leader, this is the most important thing that you can do to really complement and, and uh, put a supercharger on your gifts. Because, you know, if you're a high-powered uh, leader of, of a church or an organization, you're preaching sermons to people every week, I mean, you've got, you've got a, a place of some influence, and people are looking up to you. And uh, if you're an executive and you're leading a whole staff, um, that's a lot of power. Some, some of you listening, you've got hundreds of people, thousands of people even, that, that look to you. And so if you, with that respect, that power, that, that ambition, that force of personality, if you become a gentle, uh, emotionally present, non-anxious presence for people, I mean, they'll follow you anywhere. And some of you are parents, and you have great influence with the formation of your children. And if you become a non-anxious presence to them, it's going to make an incredible eternal difference in their life and character. Yeah, because the the parent who's a non-anxious presence doesn't say to their kids, oh, don't, you know, don't cry, it's okay. Um, you see, you're fine. You, the, the, you, it's no problem here. You're not bleeding. Or you know, it'll get better. I'll kiss it and make it better. As, no, as a non-anxious presence, you're, you're able to, to be emotionally alive to what's happening there and tune into your child and say, oh, that hurt, didn't it? I'm sorry that happened. How are you feeling? And you're, you're absorbent. And see, everybody needs the soul of somebody else to be absorbent to them. Mm-hmm. And so when as leaders, we, we learn this, it, it so hugely empowers our leadership because leadership is about relationship. And as we resolve in Christ, as we're connected with him, as we're taking care to share our emotions with the Lord and with an ambassador of Christ, it enables us to be able to then absorb others because we don't have to hold and internalize those either. Mm -hmm. But if we're holding and internalizing the stresses that we're absorbing from others, then that's a cause of burnout too and a a problem too. Yeah. If you're internalizing stress uh, to the, um, you know, the max, then you're, 
You're denying emotion and you're emotionally backed up. And we're not made to internalize other stress and hold that and carry that responsibility in of ourselves. We're, we're, God is, tells us to cast our cares on him, to release it to him, to process it and hand it over to him. Right. So when we, when we learn to not internalize stress and resole in the ways that we're talking about, then we can give people empathy. And when we give empathy, it's actually a gentle way of giving somebody's stress back to them. You don't, you don't internalize it and make yourself responsible to fix it. Mm-mm. You don't get yourself buried in, in a, a sense of burden right. for that other person. Because that's not going to be helpful to mm-hmm. them. No. Instead, you're, you're, you're solid, you're, you're rooted, you're grounded, you're uh, in, in the joy and peace of the Lord. And as you listen, then you put words to what you hear the person saying, or you ask questions, you reflect feelings. And that's a way of saying, look, this, this is what I'm hearing from you that you're struggling with. This is your challenge. This is your life. And, and implicitly, it's, it's your responsibility to deal with it. But it's such a gentle way of doing that because you're saying, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. I care. I'm praying for you. And as, as a minister, when I leave being with somebody who I've been containing their emotion and I've been absor- letting my soul you know, absorb and be with them and empathize with them, if I leave and I can't release that to the Lord and really trust it through prayer and all of that, then usually there's some enmeshment or there's something about me that that's connecting to my own repressed emotions that's that I'm right. defended against. Yeah, so we're in, we need to live in continual cycles of self-reflection and God-reflection. Yes. Knowing God and knowing self are two sides of the same coin. John Calvin taught that. That's really important. And of course, you know, love one of the relationships are in the middle of that also. And so it's as we are more aware of ourself that we can confess our sins and our brokenness and our needs. Uh, so we got to be okay with admitting that stuff. And, and, and that's central to resoling. That's central to this whole series of podcasts here where we're talking about uh, preventing uh, the hidden causes of burnout. It's not just work less hours. Mm-mm. That is not enough. And that's really not the main problem. It's not just go on retreat. Yeah, it's it's look at into your soul. It's mm-hmm. understand the psychology of your personality and what's going on with you. It's be vulnerable with God and some people. It's learn some new hat. Not only a retreat is important for a, a break and learning and training, but the real test of it is is to change how I'm living. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because that's the point of the easy yoke is getting work done. That's that's the point we make in, in your best life in Jesus. Easy yoke is, hey, Jesus is saying, come pull a plow across the field with me because there's hungry people that need to be fed. The gospel needs to be shared. The work of the church needs to be done. The, your family needs to be loved. And so rolling up our sleeves and working with Jesus is an honor. It's an intimate thing to do. And a lot of life is, is our work. So the point of preventing burnout is not, don't work hard, don't work long hours. Of course, we need to be balanced about it. The point is, watch out for these hidden culprits and internalizing stress is a main one. Jesus, thank you that you are with us, that you are for us, that you're not afraid of our own emotions, that you're the good shepherd that even goes after those lost parts of us that we've internalized and hidden away. We ask, Lord, that you would give courage to each person listening to open their souls to you, to let out with you and with an ambassador of you 
the stress that they've been internalizing and holding on to, to let you teach them more about some of the other emotions that they're feeling and what you, how your grace can meet them in that. Thank you, Jesus, that you are actively working to help each listener not run into burnout, but to resolve in you. Amen. Amen. You can visit us at soulshepherding.org to subscribe to our blog and access over a thousand free resources we've created to help you thrive with Jesus. One of my favorite things about your best life in Jesus' Easy Yoke is that it was an opportunity for me to integrate Christ-centered psychology and biblical spirituality. And so I just hope you'll get a copy of this because it's going to really help you with whatever stressors you're dealing with in your life or your ministry and how to do that in the context of your intimacy with Jesus. Thank you for joining us on the Soul Talks podcast. For these resources and more, follow the links in the episode notes or visit us at soulshepherding.org.